This presentation is from Design Research 2021, day four. Thank you so much, Dave, for that, for that lovely introduction. Uh, it's so lovely to be here at UX Australia. It's my favourite conference um, of the year, of the, of, in the world, generally. <laughs> and one of the things that um, I'm really interested about at the moment is artificial intelligence. I, you know, generally, there's a lot of excitement around AI and how it can make our jobs and our lives and our communities better. Um, you know, just think about self-driving cars, for example. Everyone's excited about them. But I want to know, can AI actually help us communicate better in a digital context, in our day-to-day -day work? So, hello, I'm Elle, and all the work that I've been doing as a content strategist, probably over the last 10 years or so now, um, has led me to believe that people are really interested in technological solutions. And particularly, I've noticed recently, people are really interested in AI solutions. So what I've done is I've got together a whole bunch of these tools and techniques and I've looked at the pros and cons, and I'm going to share some of them with you. So before we do that, let's think about content strategy. Let's just get a shared understanding of what content strategy is, right? So I think this triangle is a really lovely model to think about all the kind of things that you do when you are a content strategist. So yes, you write stuff, excellent, but you also plan, promote, measure, design, uh, resource, cost, and envision a content space. And the top of the triangle is kind of the strategy space, whereas the bottom of the triangle is more that kind of tactical content delivery space. And the tools and the strategies that I'm going to share with you mostly sit in that kind of tactical space, in that writing, planning, promoting space. So the, the actual tools I'm going to share with you, they sit there. However, as a content strategist, you, you are taking an elevated view. So I want us to think, when we're thinking about artificial intelligence, ask questions about is it going to be ethical? Is it going to be transparent and understandable? What implications might it have around job security or satisfaction or capacity for creativity or how it might affect the bottom line for users and business outcomes? So before we have a look at these tools, let's just have a little recap about what is artificial intelligence. So one element of artificial intelligence is robotic process automation. And to be honest, a lot of people argue this isn't actually artificial intelligence because it's really quite a basic process. But once you add speed and scale to that, you could argue that it is in fact artificial intelligence. So robotic process automation is kind of decision trees on speed. <laughs> Then another element of artificial intelligence is machine learning. And a lot of people kind of see machine learning as synonymous with artificial intelligence, but in fact, it's a subset. There's a kind of a parent-child relationship there. And that's where you might see, you know, someone using Python um, to do some clustering. Then we've got deep learning. And to be honest with you, deep learning is almost science fiction. It's, it's not really something that we're holistically grappling with at the moment. You know, you're talking about neural networks of billions and you might, maybe when we saw um, Deep Blue beat um, the Go champion of the world, that could have been an example of deep learning, but I still feel we're, we're a bit away from that space yet. Computer vision, really interesting. Some great goals being kicked in computer vision at the moment. And you might see that in the health and medical space. For example, you can feed like um, 100,000 photos of a benign mole into the system and 100,000 photos of a a melanoma or a cancerous mole into a system and the AI can tell the difference between those two moles in novel photos 
with with a with beautiful accuracy in a way that's much better than a human could possibly do. And the area that we're really going to dig into today is natural language processing. That's where we're going to spend most of our time. So AI is, is you know, it's kind of like the envisioning of artificial intelligence is, is not new. Ada Lovelace predicted part of it. She was saying, you know, we can, you know, think about using computers to um, compose music or art or poetry. And she did that, you know, over 150 years ago. But I guess, and people have tried to do what she recommended. They have tried to um, make art using artificial intelligence. And I'll leave it up to you as to whether or not you think that was successful or not. So a really important question for us to ask is like, why has AI taken off? Um, and it's for a couple of reasons, right? We have huge data sets available to us very recently. Just think about every time you check in to a location um, using your, your COVID app, that's a, that's a huge substance of, of data is being collected as a result of that one action. It's much cheaper and easier to store that data and it's much faster and better. We have much faster and better uh, computer processing. And really importantly, it's in the cloud, which means we can join a whole bunch of processes together. By processes, I mean computers. And we have much more sophisticated algorithms. And the reason this is really important, right, is, you know, we've had instances of AI doing some interesting communication stuff, right? So Lexus, the car company, used IBM Watson to write some TV commercial scripts. But that was quite an exclusive um, kind of process. But some of the tools that I'm going to show you are tools that you and I can use, and they just wouldn't have existed five years ago because of this reason. So there's a whole bunch of ways that AI could impact our work, but I've selected just a couple of areas that I want to zone in on because I found some particular tools or practices that I think are worth sharing. So first of all, we're going to look at edit and smart compose. We're going to look at chatbots. We're going to look at sentiment analysis. We're going to look at uh, adversarial networks and IA writers. But I did say to you that we're going to have a look at natural language processing. And I think that's really important that we do that because this is a component of artificial intelligence that's really connected to, to language. Um, and so when you think about natural language processing, initially it feels... Um, Really, I don't know, bamboozling, I think is the word. You know, there are all these words like stemming and tokenization and part of, part of speech tagging and parsing and, you know, vocal strings. And you think, oh, what's, what have I got myself into? But in fact, if you look at like a diagram like this, you realize a lot of what happens in natural language processing is kind of relying on grammar, the kind of, the, the kind of, elements of speech or, or language that we already know about, like particles or gerunds or verbs even. So let me show you, this is something that IBM will do when they, they'll actually, then this is just a description of how you break down a sentence. You break it down and they call it like creating, creating a bag of words. And I always imagine like a, a Scrabble bag where you put all, instead of putting letters in, you put words in. Um, and I also, I absolutely love science fiction and Arrival is one of my favourites. And there's a really fantastic scene that I can't uh, always think about when I'm thinking about natural language processing, where they have this conversation about how the English language works. And they're thinking about how they can try and break it down in order to translate <laughs> to an alien. Um, and then 
this is the alien's written language. And I think, oh, good, gosh, um, I'd much prefer to be trying to be doing natural language processing on Earth as opposed to <laughs> in this context. Let's kick off, right? So let's start thinking about some of these tools and these processes. And some of them are going to be super familiar to you. For example, if we start in the smart compose and editing space, this is going to be super, super familiar to you, right? You probably use smart compose, if not in Gmail, then in uh, on your Google phone. Now, for me, someone whose spelling and grammar is pretty appalling, I really love this tool. It helps me get people's names spelt right. And it, and it suggests things that I find quite useful. I think so that there are some positives around this tool, but I think there are also some negatives. A lot of people don't like Smart Compose because they feel like it makes recommendations and suggestions that are totally irrelevant or just don't work. And I have a lovely example of that. My brother has a Google phone and he has been a bit sick recently. He's totally fine now, don't worry. But he went to the doctor and I uh, knew he was going to the doctor. So I sent him a text saying, how did everything go? you know, did it all work out? And he was like, yeah, great news. Um, and I said, oh, good, congratulations. And then he sent me a text back that said, I'm pregnant. <laughs> I was like, what? What do you mean, dude? But that, but I, and I was like, I bet you that's Google suggests because he does it to me all the time. It's like, yeah. So Google has predicted based on our conversation, he's been to the doctor, there's been po positive news. And so I'm pregnant must be the thing that he wants to say. <laughs> so that's another potential negative. It doesn't always... Um, provide appropriate suggestions. But again, this is a really simple, very commonly understood uh, application of artificial intelligence in communication. And what I like about this is there's also a feedback mechanism. So you can actually start, you know, saying why something is or isn't appropriate. Just really quickly, there are a whole bunch of tools like Grammarly or like Hemingway or like VT Writer which are really good if you are crafting content. They help you get rid of the fluff. They help you understand what um, grade level that you're working to, and they help you really refine and, and, and make more crisp your content for a digital context, which is fantastic. So benefits and limitations, you know, with such a familiar tool set of tools, I think you're probably really well placed to make that assessment yourself. Another tool are chatbots. So again, we kind of know this space. Chatbots really took off about three or four years ago. It became very easy to craft chatbots. You can create a pretty basic chatbot using the Facebook in infrastructure in less than an hour. So pros are very easy to, to use, but the cons are I don't think that users actually really quite like chatbots. All the user research that I've done, I've noticed a consistent kind of disdain for chatbots where people have said well I can't tell is this a person or is it a bot it, it feels like it's blocking me it feels like it's giving me these kind of um these typical responses that I'd, I and I'd much prefer just to google the answer to that question and you can see on the example on your screen a lot of the time chatbots aren't really using AI at all they're just really basic decision trees so you have a question and you have a set of answers that are being supplied so in sometimes it's not, it's not even artificial intelligence that's actually been used. I'm not a big fan of chatbots just because of that, that user research that I've done where, where users have said to me, mm -mm, not sure they're particularly effective. Now, sentiment analysis. Sentiment analysis is really interesting. Okay? So this might come from, if you're thinking about the department within your organisation is doing sentiment analysis, probably voice of the customer or marketing and what they're doing is they're trying to do this big social media scraping 
So, for example, they might look at Twitter and other social media, you know, website comments, hashtags, forum posts, and they go, okay, we're going to scrape all that using APIs or data crawlers. We're going to process it using natural language processing. And then we should come out, you know, out, out of that comes some sort of analysis about people and groups and opinions. So, you know, what do people think about political parties or companies or concepts or issues, for example, climate change? Are they positive or neutral or negative? And to be honest with you, I have not seen a meaningful um, application of sentiment analysis. It really, I don't know whether it doesn't work at all or we're too prototypical at this point and we don't have an, enough of a sophisticated approach yet, but it really feels like a quite a blunt instrument. And you just think about all the potential issues that could come around this process and even if I just can imagine in an Australian context <laughs> we use so so many you know diminutives or colloquialisms I just wonder whether it would work in Australia at all I love you know we hear all these double negatives that we use again so if I was saying no worries I know that means a positive thing but does the computer know that that's a positive thing because if you take those two words they are actually both negative words so again for me sentiment analysis is not something that I'm feeling is particularly, you know, useful at the moment. Though, I, again, I'm always looking for evidence to, and suggestions to show why it potentially is. So let's have a look. And, and so generative adversarial networks or GANs are actually not natural language processing. They're computer vision. But I thought I'd just kind of sneak one in there because... And, and, because, and it's an interesting space, right? So I think, you know, GANs make deep fakes and we know that deep fakes are fraught and misused and, you know, potentially a bit frightening. Um, however, I do think this space is interesting and maybe I, the way I would apply it is I'd apply it internally rather than externally. So maybe I could use some of these faces or these techniques to generate artifacts for my archetypes or my personas. And as you can see, it's a tool that really can, you know, one of the beautiful themes about um, this year's conference is about being about inclusivity and diversity. And that some of these tools can really help you visually demonstrate that that's something that you think is important, even if you look at the faces on the screen right now. Now, the part, I've kind of moved through them quite quickly, but the part, the potential AI tool or technique that I'm really interested in is this idea of AI composing, where you might craft content based uh, on algorithms. So let me introduce you to a tool, or you may already be familiar with this tool called AI21 Studio. So this tool can do a whole bunch of really cool things. Um, for example, it can generate headlines for you based on some subject inputs, or it could also give you some blog topic ideas based on some inputs. So what you're seeing now is on the left-hand side are some different, uh, uh, different options that you might be able to play around with. And the beautiful thing about this tool, it's in beta. There's a huge amount of processing behind it. It's quite generic, but you can now have a look at it and start playing with it and start understanding how AI Compose might actually work. So I, so I went straight to the generate a headline option and I was like, okay, I want you to give me a heading about communication and artificial intelligence and I press generate and it said it's the AI gave me the answer or the suggestion of AI so rude I'm like hmm not quite what I would have chosen but it is kind of catchy 
like okay and so then I tried again I was like okay so I'll tell them I'm gonna I would like to write some blogs about AI and communication can you give me some headings some suggestions and it was like okay here's some the 10 most important AI innovations for communication sounds legit the role of voice in communication the potential and design of AI in communication or dangers sorry I can't read I was like, oh, okay, that's not, I haven't gone too bad. And then I was like, okay, let's do another one. Let's try and generate some more blog post ideas. And I was like, this time I said, okay, government and content strategy. And at this point, it started to get a bit loosey-goosey. And I was like, yeah, I'm not sure about it. And it also suggested some Facebook posts without me asking. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's getting it. And I was like, okay. It's, it's, and, but the Facebook posts were really, really bad. It was like the second one there, if you can read it, it, says any of the ideas provided in the suggested. I was like, yeah, I think the AI has gone a bit. <laughs> it's a bit like it feels like it's the, the, the copy equivalent of this art. But, 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 I think there's a lot of potential with this tool and it immediately made me think of a whole bunch of problems that I have in the content strategy space. And I think I wonder if natural language processing could help me resolve some of them. So what I'm going to show you now, this is kind of like the a, a typical AI, very simplified flowchart. So you have an input, you have a process and you have some outputs, right? So I was thinking, okay, so let's imagine what some potential use cases could be. I was thinking, okay, this is, imagine this. So social media copy. So say we work for the Art Gallery of New South Wales. We've got an event coming up. We've got the location, the cost, the subject, you know, what it's all about. Australian art, for example. We know that a particular cohort will be interested and we maybe have some photos. Imagine if we could take that information, put it into the algorithm and spurt it out would be a whole bunch of social media variations. And so maybe details of that, um, that event uh, with different levels of granularity um, and different target audiences. Oh, that's really interesting. And looking at the tool I just showed you, they're really close to doing something exactly like that. Another big challenge or opportunity that you'll have in, in working in the content space is this idea of syndication, right? So you'll have a content management system and one of its offers, one of its promises is this idea of taking a, a blob of content and squirting it in different places. So we can say we might be able to put it in product copy, in blog, in the help and support area, for example. And people get really excited when they hear that technical promise. But what they don't realise is that content needs to be really reworked in all three of those contexts. You, you can't use the same copy, the same words. They have to be very thoughtfully constructed. So I was thinking, ah, I wonder if natural language processing could help us in that scenario, that would be really interesting and I would love that. Then another example would be around jargon tolerance. So anyone working on any digital projects will, will come across this idea where you have these subject matter experts who are crafting content, who are crafting content um, use cases and they are town planners they're policy boffins they're lawyers they're scientists they're economists they're using lots of appropriate jargon but when you're trying to recraft that content for a more general audience it can be really challenging and again i'm thinking ah i wonder if it feels to me like ai is a perfect um 
opportunity for us to think about repurposing that content, about distilling it. And in fact, the tool that I showed you actually has a, a, a jargon stripping tool. So I was like, okay, what's my, my most hated jargon word? <gasps> Easy, leverage. So I typed leverage into a sentence saying someone wanted to leverage something and then immediately it got rid of that word. So I was like, oh, there's potential there as well. So I know that um, that was a really quick kind of run through. I just wanted to give you a list of the tools that I, I showed to you. Um, AI 21 Labs is the one that I think that would be definitely, I'll definitely recommend that you download, get in, sign up to the beta, have a play around with, start looking at what the opportunities are there. And I'd love to hear from you about how you're using artificial intelligence or natural language processing or GANs in your work. Um, please, uh, I'd love to hear them in the Q&A or get in contact with me via Twitter. Thank you so much, guys.